once you know what a milkweed looks like, you'll automatically just see it everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. My niece and nephews just like, hey, look, that's milkweed. <laughs> and we're driving by on the highway. They'll just point it out. And they're about 10, 11. So they know what it looks like now. You are listening to Herb Mentor Radio by Learning Herbs. I'm John Gallagher. And I'm Tara Ruth. Today, we're chatting with Fatima Matar and Nada Beydoun. Fatima is a passionate gardener supporting the work of growing and bringing awareness to milkweed and monarch butterflies since 2019. She is based in Ottawa, Canada, and outside of driving around with a backseat filled with milkweed plants, you can find her doing photography as a freelance photographer. Follow her and her monarch journey and planting on Instagram at Nature with Fatima M. And then Nada is a registered herbalist from Halifax, Nova Scotia, with a bachelor's in science in microbiology and immunology, and a master's in applied human nutrition. Her interests include Swana region herbal medicines, and she has a community work background in refugee settlement and empowerment. You can follow her plant journey on Instagram at Bay, B-E-Y, Botany. Well... Welcome, Fatima and Nada, to Urban to Radio. It's awesome to have you both with us today. Thank you. It's great to be here. And you're both cousins. Yeah, correct. Known each other your whole life. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! And Is this our first time having cousins on the pod? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, yes. yes. We're first. <laughs> yes, well done. Absolutely. <laughs> so great having both of you with us. You know, Nada, I first reached out to you about having you on Urmenta Radio, and then you suggested bringing your cousin on, too, to talk about your work together, growing milkweed, and building awareness about monarch butterflies. And I totally love this idea, mm. especially since we're in spring. And I just wanted to know, can you talk a little bit about what is milkweed and its relationship with monarch butterflies? Milkweed is a perennial plant that belongs to the Apolysis family. There are over 100 species in North America. Milkweed plants are important of the survival for monarch butterflies. It is the host plant and the only source of food for monarch caterpillars. Wow. And they provide a critical habitat for female monarchs to lay their eggs. Each adult lives about two to six weeks, except for the migrating generation, which lives up to seven months throughout the fall and winter. Mm. Yeah, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the the adult monarchs also really depend on these uh, nectar-producing flowering plants during the whole spring and summer breeding season. So it, it helps with reproduction, and it also fuels their migration to Mexico and California during the fall and so it's it's so important for monarch conservation to have all of these flowering plants and the milkweeds and you know it's it's also so important for the pollinators as well as like the butterflies the bees the birds the moths all of them to you know have these milkweed plants around and also like there's so many medicinal properties as well to milkweed for humans mm. can you talk a little bit about that about those medicinal properties. I first learned about milkweed because I was at herb school and I smelled this a, a waft of the scent of the flowers, you know, from 10 feet away. I was like, what is this intoxicating smell? And I followed my nose and I found this beautiful cluster of flowers that were just covered in pollinators. I was mm. like, this plant must be super special. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can definitely relate with just coming across these fields of milkweed and just how beautiful smelling they are. And just like, it's such a magical space as well, just being able to come across all of these milkweed. Mm. Yeah, I personally have not worked with milkweed medicinally, but mm-hmm. I do know, you know, it it has a plethora of medicinal benefits and actions. So the, the milkweed that is worked with is the butterfly weed, also called pleurisy root. The Latin name is Asclepius tuberosa. Mm-hmm. And usually the herb is taken as a tea infusion or a tincture. It's one of the herbs I'd say that has come up a lot in the last few years. It's relevant to discussions around supporting people with COVID symptoms. According oh, to wow. a lot of herbalists, yeah, it, it's got some really great actions as an anti-inflammatory, supporting the linings of the lungs and supportive of these pulmonary conditions like bronchitis and and pneumonia. And it's a really strong diaphoretic. So it it increases dilation and perspiration. And yeah, especially where there's a cough concerned, it's a really great expectorant, especially when there's any like sharp pains associated with that cough. And usually it's indicated when there's heat and a lot of dryness in the chest. It provides that moistening action. And yeah, it has that strong affinity for improving fluid circulation and in lymphatic drainage. Yeah, it's it's a really great herb to use medicinally. How would you, Nada, um, take the preparation of it or prepare milkweed? Yeah, there's, I mean, it's usually a dried root. I feel like it's usually it's like a teaspoon Normally for these roots, you don't want to go more than that for this one because in high doses, it can be toxic. So as an infusion, mm-hmm. the dried root, putting it in boiled water, it can also be taken as a cold infusion. I know that's been recorded as a tea mm-hmm. you know, up to three times a day. Hey y'all, I'm just hopping on to add that if someone's working with milkweed, it's very important to make sure that they're working with the correct species. There are many species of milkweed, and while some are edible and medicinal, there are also some species that are toxic. So as always, it's super, super, super important to correctly ID plants and know exactly what plant you're working with. The species we're talking about here is Asclepius tuberosa, otherwise known as pleurisy root. Like Nada was saying, the dosage for a tea of pleurisy root is one half to one teaspoon of dried herb infused in water. And it's important to note that this plant does increase the risk of cardiac glycoside toxicity if taken with drugs or herbs that contain those constituents. Now, I say all of this for the sake of transparency, but in just a second, we're gonna talk about whether someone should even harvest milkweed, considering it's such a vital plant for endangered monarch butterflies. So let's dive back in. I guess as you're talking about this and we're also presencing the pollinators and how important this plant is to monarch butterflies and more pollinators, I'm I'm kind of struck with this tension of like, wow, this sounds like such a cool plant to work with, but mm-hmm. also it's super important to our pollinator friends. So yeah. what do you think about that balance of getting excited about this plant for its medicinal gifts, but also being a steward of the plant and wanting to make sure that we... Yeah, We aren't getting overexcited and over-harvesting. How do you strike that balance with milkweed? And yeah, what are your recommendations around that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, there's definitely that issue with butterfly weed being over harvested in the wild and it, it's it has a lot of conservation issues as well in the wild so it, I would not recommend harvesting in the wild if mm. you know if that can be avoided I think you know it would be best really? to yeah I think it would be best to you know, plant it in the garden, mm. like at home in large numbers and, you know, to instead harvest the roots from some of the plants, but make sure there's enough planted in the ground for the monarchs to be able to make use of. You know, it is mm-hmm. a really great herb for respiratory issues, but I think there can be some like substitutes. Some of those substitutes can be like lobelia can be marshmallow root hyssop is a good one as well for the coughs wild cherry bark is another one and elecampane i mean i think there's a lot of these really great herbal substitutes to use and Mm. also um Right now, Percy root is actually listed as an at-risk herb as part of the United Plant Savers, which is an organization advocating for the preservation of the North American medicinal herbs. So I think it's very vital to be protecting this herb in in nature and to rethink wild harvesting. That's interesting because like I want being from the East Coast, I remember in New Jersey, milkweed like being a common like just weed out in fields and there was lots of it. So is it this that, is it more habitat destruction, like people, more development going in? So it's, it's taking, you know, these fields, like, cause that's where I mostly remember seeing it as a pretty common plant, but you're saying that a lot of it's threatened now. Yeah. I, a lot of it has been threatened. There's a lot of conservation issues with milkweed and, you know, at least, you know, where I live and where Fatima lives in Ottawa, I live in Halifax, milkweed is listed as a noxious herb. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the city has a very controlled removal of milkweed. So, you know, it's both on the city and in farmlands. There's that issue. Noxious for who? Like cattle or something? Yeah, it's, I mean, I I don't know. I guess it is for for cattle and just (laughs) seen as an invasive. So they try to. It's a threat to the green lawns. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) right? Oh, I see. Yeah. And I, I remember when me and Fatima, we were together, we were at a Starbucks drive through, and there was like that driveway right next there's this green patch and mm-hmm. there you could see that the milkweed was just cut down. Like you can still recognize it as a milkweed plant, but wow. they just cut down the stems, you know? And it's just like, well, that would be a great location for the butterflies to kind of visit Starbucks and, and get their, their own food as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. the, the city really is trying to remove as much milkweed as they can in, in these spaces. Fatima, have you, like, is there awareness campaigns around this? And, you know, like as far as towns or places maybe planting butterfly gardens or schools maybe, because children, of course, are, I remember being enchanted by butterflies and, you know, when I was a kid. Is there, have you been involved with any work in that or, or in your awareness? So me personally, I am a part of Facebook groups here in Ottawa, mm-hmm. but 
I haven't really been a part of any community gardens here in Ottawa, but um, there are a lot. I know that schools are trying to make different pollinator gardens for the pollinators, but Hmm. I don't think milkweed is one of those plants that they're considering adding because of the whole idea of it being toxic, quote unquote. (laughs) So they're leaving out milkweed, but of course it's very important for the monarchs and they are becoming extinct. So I encourage everyone to, you know, keep planting those milkweeds no matter what, because monarchs need it. And especially the females, they need it for to lay their eggs. Otherwise they won't Hmm. keep producing that life cycle. Can Mm. can people take like a part of their yard? I mean, people have, you know, or their garden is a kind of a plant that you might want to plant around a periphery so the butterflies have some space or would you plant it in your herb garden? I mean, because you could still go out and harvest it for medicine if it's in another part of your yard, right? And not in the, in the, so what what do you see people doing? Um, here in Ottawa, I have actually seen people take apart their grass and just do a completely like full garden from top to bottom. I have seen also people plant, you know, common milkweed, swamp milkweed, butterfly weed milkweed. But the only thing is common milkweed spreads by the root. So not a lot of people plant it because of that reason, because the minute you plant it into the ground, it just spreads like wildfire. Whereas Mm. swamp and butterfly weed, they just sprout by the seed. So once it produces the seed pods, Mm. those seed pods fly away into the air and then Wherever that seed lands, it'll produce for the next year. I'd love to also add more about just, yeah, the con- conservation issues with the milkweed. Yeah, there's so many factors affecting it. There's there's the climate change. I mean, a lot of the extreme weather events have been causing hurricanes and snowstorms that are unexpected. And these are killing off the, the milkweed as long as some droughts are you know, not allowing the milkweed to grow. And also sometimes with these high temperature fluctuations, it has the monarchs thinking that they need to start their migrations even before the milkweed has grown and is available for them to make use of. And yeah, you also mentioned this with the habitat destruction. There's a lot of illegal and also legal logging happening and and deforestation for agriculture and urban development. And this has significantly destroyed these areas in Mexico and in California where these monarchs are supposed to be using as like their overwintering grounds. And Mm -hmm. I think in Mexico, there's been over a thousand acres of the monarchs forest habitat that has been cleared since 2008, wow. which is just so upsetting to hear. Even just in general, like the milkweed habitat has decreased by 160 million acres in the last 17 years. So that's that's 20% of the eastern U.S. breeding areas. And these, these areas are now being used for farming of like soybean and, and corn and urban mm. development And another big issue that's affecting the conservation of milkweed is systemic widespread use of pesticides. So a lot of these herbicides are killing the butterflies and the milkweed food sources. They 
these insecticides are being absorbed in the plants and the tissues, the leaves and the the nectars and flowers. And Mm -hmm. these are toxic to the monarch caterpillars that are feeding. And it's, it's been really devastating and it's really contributed to the decline of the milkweed habitat. Yeah. A lot of conservation efforts do need to be done to kind of work to protect this beautiful iconic species Wow. It's really, you know, you you outline this context for all of this destruction of milkweed and monarchs' habitats. And then to hear that milkweed's also classified as this noxious weed feels like there's almost this dissonance there. And I'm I'm thinking too about what you were saying, Fatima, about how it really matters, like what type of milkweed you're planting. You know, one can just spread super quickly from roots and then some spread from seeds. And I was doing a little bit of reading on milkweed and I learned that in recent years in the U.S. that became popular to start planting a tropical variety of milkweed. And then this actually disrupted some monarch migrations because they were blooming at different times and, you know, cueing the monarchs to to migrate at different times. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on the importance of, you know, what type of milkweed you plant. And perhaps that has something to do with classifications too, of like what is noxious and what's not. Is it, does it matter if you're planting like a native milkweed, you know, how should people go about if they're really wanting to incorporate more milkweed into their gardens and their spaces that they tend? Of course, planting native milkweed is very, very important, especially to your areas. So for example, for here in Ottawa, our top three native ones are swamp, common, and butterfly weed. We have Mm. a lot of common here in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. But now when you drive around and once you know what a milkweed looks like, you'll automatically just see it everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. My Mm. niece and nephew's just like, hey, look, that's milkweed. (laughs) And we're driving by on the highway. They'll just point it out. And they're young. They're about 10, 11. So they know what it looks like now. But it's very important to plant your native ones. So for example, if I'm trying to plant an Arizona milkweed, there is one called Arizona milkweed, but (laughs) I can't grow it here in Ottawa Mm. because we have cold winters. So I will Mm. definitely not survive. So Mm. Mm -hmm. planting native milkweeds in your area specifically is very, very key. It's just Mm -hmm. strange to me that it was declared a noxious weed that's a native plant. I mean, often a native plant is sour. People out there will you know, declare plants that are taking over areas like as invasive and they'll, you know, put awareness campaigns out there. But Mm -hmm. it seems like there's just a disconnect between whoever declared that and the fact that these are really necessary for butterfly habitat. Yeah, I mean, there's some literature out there even showing that planting these native milkweeds, like that includes common milkweed as well, they actually are able to attract native insects that are Mm. even Mm. on agricultural crop areas. They're able to attract these insects that are predators of the pests that are growing on these crops. So that, you know, it's, it is a benefit to these crops and it's all about just the ecosystem Mm -hmm working together right they all co-evolve together and Mm. i mean that's that's why there's so much importance to growing milkweed that is native because over you know over time they 
they preserve that genetic diversity of these native plants and they Mm -hmm. will be able to grow better in these areas and support these pollinators better if Mm. they're native. Mm -hmm. Um, Also to add to Tara, what you were saying about the tropical milkweed, I know that's a pretty like controversial topic, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it, it's it's interesting because tropical milkweed is becoming more popular. I know it's sold to plant centers and all these nurseries, and it's a very beautiful plant. Mm. And but there is this negative impact to the monarchs, so it's impacting them in the way that like their migration patterns are starting to change, where wow. these migratory monarchs are becoming non-migratory because of this constant supply of tropical milkweed instead of dying back like the other milkweeds during the winter seasons it stays blooming it can tolerate these mild climates and so because of that they're you know starting to not breed they're they're, sorry they're starting to breed Mm -hmm. and also there's this issue with a protozoan parasite called oe it's Ophryocystis electroscyra, and these plants are being heavily infected by this parasite and get transmitted to all the monarchs, and it's it's very devastating. It's it's killing off these monarchs. So because of that, in the southern states and in California, they're saying that these tropical milkweeds should at least be cut down in the winters to avoid this from happening. I actually saw some of these tropical milkweeds growing in our public spring gardens. Oh, wow. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, I wonder like why that's growing here. There's so much controversy around the potential harm that it can do to these monarchs. But I then further doing further research, I realized, okay, so there's no way this plant would survive the winters here because of the snow and the climate. So Mm -hmm. either way, it'll be dying back. So it Mm -hmm. wouldn't really pose an issue to the monarchs. But even with that said, of course, like it's always preferred to be planting these native um, milkweeds to the area that you're in. That makes so much sense. And, you know, as we're talking about the importance of stewarding native uh, milkweeds for the monarch butterfly population. I just wanted to back up a little bit and just really presence why monarchs are so important. Could you talk a little bit about that, Fatima? Like, I mean, I I know, you know, I think I know why it matters, but why does it matter if we're stewarding monarch butterflies? Everything is quite important, honestly, when it comes to pollinators. It's very key to have our monarchs. As I mentioned earlier, they are becoming extinct. They were, it was mentioned mm. last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a beautiful, bright orange, black and orange butterfly. I mean, why wouldn't you want to keep seeing it around, right? So mm-hmm. I would definitely encourage people to take the time to research the monarch and just what milkweed really is and how you can get it and just put it in your garden. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be in the ground. It can be in a pot, um, but milkweed and monarchs are very, very important. Yeah, just like speaking on the topic of why monarch butterflies are so important, there's just so much 
ecological, cultural, educational value to monarchs in terms of like the ecology. They're, they have such a vital role in plant reproduction and ecosystem health. They help transfer pollen from one flower to the other and just fruit production. And they provide us and, and all this wildlife with fiber and, and food and, and so many other products. And I mean, I think one third of the global food production relies on pollinators like the butterflies and the bees. And like Mm -hmm. one great way to conceptualize that is if you had a plate of food, one third of that plate will be there because of the pollinators. So it just shows like that importance, you know, of these monarchs and, and all of these other pollinators and, And also, yeah, like we spoke about this before, about just the conservation issues with milkweed and and the monarchs. But this the decline of monarch butterfly populations are a great indicator of the habitat health and just the Mm -hmm. impact of human activity on the natural world. It indicates like climate change and habitat loss and use Mm -hmm. of pesticides. So you know, due to that, monarchs are such a symbol for environmental activism and mm. conservation and brings a lot of attention to protecting biodiversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, like, monarchs have such an important cultural significance. You know, they truly are iconic and they come up in, like, art and cultural events and literature. And I think it is really because the the monarchs kind of symbolize this transformation and metamorphosis from going to the caterpillar stage, to the chrysalis, to the adult butterfly. And so a lot of people are able to relate with that. And of Mm -hmm. course, it's a sign of beauty. I always come across all these murals in the different cities that I live of just monarchs and usually in association with echinacea. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, there's also a lot of traditional beliefs around the monarch butterfly as well. One that may be more commonly known is how in Mexico, they're seen as a symbol of the souls of deceased loved ones. And Mm -hmm. apparently every year on Halloween or the day of the dead, it's around the time that the monarchs arrive in the the forests it's when they come to the forests where they overwinter mm-hmm. and you know that it's seen as a symbol of visiting their loved ones and also in celebrating their memories as we're recording this i'm actually taking a little time in visiting costa rica and i saw a lot of monarch butterflies in in the jungle just last week and it was really really amazing and then it was making me think of all of those days when i was young how you know in school how we would try to get the the you know through the whole process to the chrysalis to the butterfly Mm -hmm. and learning about that and i remember in new jersey back in those days how we would see monarch butterflies all the time around and as time went on kind of got older i noticed that they weren't around as much and wow for me it was that as well as the same with um, reptiles and amphibian species in my yard growing up 
seeing them, you know, disappear. That's what got me into becoming, you know, getting into the environment and wanting to do something about it. And one of the, you know, we, we were talking, we've been talking about on this with, with Fatima and Nada, habitat destruction and all that. And when I was younger in my neighborhood, it was about chemical lawn care that was, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of the diversity and everything and everyone needing to have that, that lawn, <laughs> thinking about what if everyone just left their lawns in netto and let the butterflies come in. And, you know, for me, the dandelion was a symbol of that. And that's why it's in the logo of learning herbs. Because dandelion is this amazing plant that people underestimate and don't understand and that is having such an effect on the wildlife because people have been poisoning it. So, so yeah, I think about that whole ecological point of view. And that's kind of like, you know, uh, on Urban to Radio over the years, I mean, I just had this realization just now because I I was like, well, well, you know, what did I get into herbs? And, and, um, yeah, why did people, you get into herbs, Yeah, Josh? Well, a lot of people <laughs> say, uh, you know, it's because, you know, well, my grandmother taught me and I got really fascinated by this. Or often it's, I had a big health issue and I, the herbs and natural, natural mm-hmm. healing helped me recover. And for me, it was definitely the, the, the environment, like our, our, what I call our life support system. Like why we poison and why we destroy our life support system and raising awareness mm. is really for me what's at the heart of learning herbs and all that we do here. Because when you're out learning about herbs and harvesting and growing them, you're connecting to the environment, connecting to nature. And how can you not then have a positive impact on the environment? So for me, it's like my way of being an activist. But um, I, I'm sensing there's a bit of that in you too, Tara. Yeah, I think that working with the plants reminds me that there's there's not a separation between me and nature that as humans we are part of nature and when we're building these relationships with a lot of intention with plants we're just reminding ourselves how we're all connected in this big web and it makes it a lot it feels a lot more inevitable and a lot easier to show up in right relationship to Hmm the plants to the environment at large when we're really invested in these relationships, whether it's with growing milkweed or thinking more, you know, thinking about how you relate to dandelions and how you relate to your lawn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And on Herb Mentor, which is our membership site from Learning Herbs, we have a a couple of courses that come to mind. One is cultivating wellness, which has a permaculture point of view, Mm -hmm. building natural systems you know not just you know taking the basil plant or the you know and just sticking it in the ground but actually focusing on the soil building also wild crafters toolkit which is a companion to the book wild remedies by rosalie de la Forêt and emily hahn which which every chapter takes it from a point like has a section in it about wildlife and the impact and teaches sustainable Mm -hmm. wild crafting and for you being part of it. So that's what I love about herbalism is, is you could make yourself part, you know, connects you deeply to the natural world. And that's like the magic. And I think that's so much of where the healing comes from, not just the constituents of the plant. So that's just something to think about. And which is why we had Fatima and Nada on today, because Mm -hmm. what what beautiful, what, what beautiful cousins, you know, they're just... Just mm-hmm. so wonderful from the perspective that they take it from. So, um, yeah. I'm excited for people to hear more too. In a little bit, we're going to talk about their story and how they got into the plants and, you know, how they 
started building their relationship with milkweed and other plants. And I'm excited for people to hear. Yeah. And uh, that, yeah, me too. And both, might as well just get back to that. But first, if anybody wants to check out Herb Mentor for listeners of Herb Mentor Radio, if you go to Herb Mentor Radio, Dot com. You can not only subscribe to your the podcast feeds there and whatnot, but we also have a little offer for those of you who want to check out Herb Mentor in case you think that's something for you. Again, it's all about connecting yourself to nature and the herbs. So, yeah. Mm, so, absolutely. Uh, to take us back in here, Tara. Let's <laughs> do it. Let's get back to our conversation with Nada and Fatima. And I'm just so excited to share it with you all. <laughs> You know, right before we hopped on this recording to Fatima, you were saying you had all of these little seedlings that you were tending to, all these milkweed seedlings. And I'm curious, what are you, what do you plan to do with them? Are you going to plant all of those in your garden? Do you share those in your community? Guerrilla gardening where you're out just kind of putting them all over the place. And... Yeah. <laughs> at the Starbucks. <laughs> at the Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see me this summer with my tiny little shovel just going around Ottawa, just planting milkweed yes. everywhere, <laughs> marking my territory. Actually, the seedlings that I have started, they're actually for a bursary here at Algonquin College. It's called Seedling for Students. It's a bursary for single mothers that go to the college but can't afford school textbooks etc so last year they approached me and said hey would you like to plant milkweed and I said absolutely let's do it so this year they asked me to come back and this year I've just you know I have over 63 plants currently just sitting in one of my rooms my mom's like isn't it too early to start your planting no No, mom it's never early to start How about Uh, you, Nada? Do you incorporate milkweed into your herbal work that you do or make remedies? Yeah, I I feel like I've I've been more on the side of of not using it Mm -hmm. right now, mostly using the substitute herbs. But I I know like it it really depends on the circumstances. I mean, some people, Mm -hmm. like especially working with COVID symptoms, some herbalists have really found that it was effective and that other herbs we're not really able to substitute as well, but I, I haven't worked with it medicinally. I've, I've mostly been mm-hmm. trying to grow the seeds over the last few summers. It's It's been a trial and error process <laughs> together with Fatima. <laughs> and yeah, she's she's been kind of guiding me on this journey. It, it really started was it the summer 2020 for me? I was working at a community garden for the immigrant services and there was someone who came in to install a pollinator's garden. And that was my first time really seeing swamp milkweed and just noticing it and learning about it. And I just thought it was the most beautiful plant. I remember texting Fatima pictures and we were just freaking out over it. It was, Mm. yeah, it, it was so exciting. So from that point onwards, I've started to try to grow some. That first summer, Fatima sent a plastic Ziploc bag of the seeds in the tissue paper to try to get me to grow them. It it unfortunately didn't work out. The following year, I tried (laughs) to grow them again. It didn't work out. So she sent um, with my family 
a whole box of milkweed seedlings. It, you know, yeah, <laughs> they were driving 15 hours with that box of <laughs> milkweed plants. So yeah, I, I was able to put some of them into the ground. And then this past summer, I finally was successful after so much experimentation and growing the seeds. And a lot of people are can be intimidated growing milkweed from seed and might prefer getting sources from nurseries Mm -hmm. or garden centers. But that's something to caution about because sometimes they contain these pesticides and Mm. insecticides and can actually be harmful to the monarchs. So it's good to know about your source. Yeah. And to just, you know, preferably find a local grower if you can to Mm -hmm. get these milkweeds if you're not able to grow them from seed. And just to recap, what, you know, again, which species are people looking for? Or if you have the botanical name off the top of your head too, just of like, okay, I want to grow milkweed or I want to go find some starts. What, What should folks be looking out for? So planting milkweed, like I mentioned before, native is very important. So I would recommend Googling what is native in your area. Once you know what's native, you can then go in and look, okay, well, where can I find seeds? Where can I purchase them? Or where can I find a plant from a local nursery? I know here in Ottawa, I know I did a lot of research back in 2020 before I started summer 2020, just spending time on Google what types of native milkweed here in Ottawa, where can Mm -hmm. I find them, where can I find the seeds. So I have both seeds and actual plants from nurseries here Mm -hmm. at home. So I like to do both, but it's very highly recommended. Just spend that time to do that research. Because like I said, what here in Ottawa could be different from what NADA has in Halifax versus what Tara and John have in California. So it's very Mm -hmm. important that you just spend that time to research and look into it. Mm. That makes so much sense. I love the intention that you both bring to your relationships with milkweed, you know, whether it's making sure that you're doing that research before figuring out what to plant. And then Nada, you were talking about you might be in deep relationship with milkweed, but like that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to work with it medicinally right now because you've you've done that research to see that like it doesn't feel like it's in right relationship right now to work with that plant medicinally that should be the that's like my biggest takeaway and should be I, I feel like is a major takeaway of our conversation yeah I love that you both are building this relationship with milkweed in such an intentional way and I'm I'm really curious you know you two are cousins and I'm wondering how did you both end up on this super intentional plant path how did this happen for you both where did the seed if you will get planted so We come from a big gardening family. Our grandfather loved, loved planting. He used to have his own community center location where he would go every summer, every morning, and just spend hours and hours gardening. And even in our backyard here at home, he would just garden. So that's where Ned and I have that connection. But then I kind of reeled her in to that whole (laughs) milkweed (laughs) and monarch conversations. So now she's kind of stuck with me and just that journey that we're going on. (laughs) I love it. I am absolutely loving the milkweed journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to add on to what you were saying, Fatima, yeah, our, our grandfather was such a big gardener. And, you know, even from our 
our own ancestral homeland in Lebanon, plants are such a key part of the people's lives. The land, the the plants are just an extension of your body. And, Mm. you know, your days are almost completely surrounded by the plants. Like you'd have fig trees, olive Mm. plants, orchards, walnut plants, you know, all growing on in on your property and you know being stewards of the land was was just a part of the life there and it even followed their immigration to Ottawa as well so you know Fatima she lived with my grandfather so she saw that firsthand where he would be growing all of these plants and I think it just extended to the entire family so I mean I'm also inspired by my mother's green thumb she's always planting and she's able to like even here in Canada she she can grow like dates um wow wow yeah like that's very impressive (laughs) palms and the avocado plants and all of these different plants so easily and just yeah, wow. plants are such an important part of, you know, our family's life. And I mean, even when they were in Germany, my mom remembers that they would go and try to get these apples and fruits from all of these trees that no one there was mm. using. That's when she was a young child before coming to Canada. But mm-hmm. even in Canada, my mom and also her sisters were always going with my grandfather harvesting plants like mallow and mm-hmm. dandelion leaves. Mm-hmm. I mean, dandelion leaves are so popular because we we use that to like cook just the leaves and we eat that with pita bread. Mm. And and yeah, we really have that kind of harvesting culture mm-hmm. where you know you see what plants are you know around you abundantly and to use that as part of just daily life. Mm, I love those plants you just named there too that are that are so abundant and that that intentionality you're bringing to like okay when we are you know out here foraging or you know harvesting you're getting dandelion greens, mallow, apples, these these abundant plants and you know Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Especially because I mean you might see if you ever go to a Lebanese grocery but some of the leaves that they'll sell there are dandelion leaves just like bunches and bunches of dandelion leaves because you know back in Lebanon that's that was a normal leafy green that you would like consume and so because here really for the longest time before these bigger groceries opened and in some provinces like in Halifax we don't really have groceries that would sell dandelion leaves consistently you would have to depend on harvesting a lot of these like foraging and harvesting these leaves instead to make up like your diet well thank you both so much for joining us it has been such a pleasure chatting with you both and hearing your stories about milkweed and just even just this what you were just talking about with dandelion nada I'm like still really taking that in and Ah, Mm -hmm. so beautiful to get to chat with you both and for folks who are interested in following your journeys and learning more about milkweed fatima they can follow you on instagram at nature with fatima m and then nada they can follow you on instagram at 
Bay Botany, and that's B-E-Y Botany. And I highly encourage people to follow you both. And also, if you want to see more of Nada's work, we have a few great blog posts from you on our blog. And then you also just wrote a saffron monograph that we're going to put up. And I I just got to read it and it was amazing. So it was so fun to learn about saffron from you. And I'm really excited for more people to read it. Oh, great. (laughs) That's great. Thank you both. Yeah. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Herb Mentor Radio is written and produced by John Gallagher and Tara Ruth. Sound engineering by Zach Frank. Visit HerbMentorRadio.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and for information on how to be part of Herb Mentor, your home for herbal education. Herb Mentor Radio is a production of LearningHerbs.com, LLC, all rights reserved. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>